good evening, good morning, good afternoon. <laughs> Crazy order. Morning comes before evening, or biblically, evening comes before morning. So I could be in the spirit saying such a thing or not. Forgive me. Good evening. Again, it's evening where I am. I welcome you to Wow, What a Show. My name is Phyllis, and I am the host this evening. Wow, What a Show is also the podcast, live podcast outreach of Rehoboth Institute of the Arts. We have, of course, a place on... Good evening, Tony Ritchie. So good to be with you. God bless. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you much. Um, as I was saying, we have a, a podcast site on Podbean. And of course, wherever you get your podcast, you simply have to search Rehoboth, R-E-H-O-B-O-T-H, Rehoboth Institute of the Arts. Uh, Rehoboth is a word that comes from the book of Genesis when um, Abraham was uh, going to dig his well, right? He there's It's in there, and I won't read it tonight, but it means the broad places. Uh, his, his nephew Lot took the best part, so he thought, and Abraham dug his well wherever Lot didn't go. He was very generous in that regard. And Rehoboth means the broad places. I always thought that it meant the Lord will make room for me. <laughs> I like that because I think Abraham says something like that at the time. Nonetheless, uh, the broad places uh, is where we want God's word to go. We ask him to take his word in the broad places, because in the straight and narrow uh, pathway, we have believers who already know we want the Lord to draw others in. Tonight, I begin with a um, sort of a, it's not a heaviness, it's an awareness. Life is short, and we are often challenged with illness and sickness. And I want uh, just to pray before we begin and include a, a very dear, wonderful human being. She is my daughter's mother-in-law. She's young yet, as I see it, and uh, just very suddenly has taken ill. And it is uh, in this moment kind of dire, but we know God to be merciful. We know him to be a loving and wonderful God. We know him to be a healer and a deliverer. And now, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come before you with the knowledge of your power, your love, your grace, Lord God, your a particular kind of mercy. And we ask you, Lord God, to be where Marilyn Moffat is. Lord, upon a bed of illness, but you, God, can enter into that very place. Call her name. Speak, Lord, to the condition and Marilyn can be healed. We ask you to do it for her and for her son, Lord God, who isn't quite ready, I'm sure, to receive the news. But God, you are able to lift her up. And I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ that we have this amazing access. And if we believe that you hear us, God, anything that we ask according to your plan, we have. And so we thank you now in the name of Jesus Christ, for Marilyn's healing. I thank you also for guiding us through this evening's message. Speak, Lord, and even I shall hear, and all who are listening shall hear from your mouth. Lord, it's coming through mine, but it should be your voice that I hear. And so I ask you, my Lord God, to direct every word and bring to us, Lord God, through the word spoken, that which you want us to pay attention to, that which you want us to mature into, whatever it is that is keeping us from it, we ask you now to forgive us every sin. Lord, and you know in every day our sins are plentiful because we walk in the 
in, in, in the nature of which we were born. And even though you're raising us up, Lord, to be more like you, we still have those moments when by nature we slip into what we are not anymore. So we ask you, my God, to forgive us for all our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that we may be indeed your children, your witnesses, in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, my Lord, my God, our Lord, our Father. Amen. Praise be to God, and I do pray that you are here. Oh, it's so lovely to see all of you. Um, and if you have a friend you want to invite them, please do, because um, I am running against the clock uh, today. It was, um, you know, crowded with events. And so um, what I do normally is invite those people who over told, told me to send them the link so they wouldn't have trouble getting in. I want to announce also, but I didn't do it this evening. That's what I'm saying. To, to not, I want to announce that you can hear us on TuneIn Radio. It's an internet radio that I have listened to for years. I, you know, I I, on my phone, I have the app downloaded and I listen to MSNBC News. I listen to CNN, CBS. You know, I listen to the Christian radio station. I listen to to radio uh, um, and I'm a radio listener anyway. So the phone makes it possible, that little app, to walk with the radio, right? And I don't have to be in my in my kitchen or upstairs where I have radios or on the car radio, I can take it anywhere. So we are blessed that I was uh, given a an invitation to join, and I did. And so there we are. And if you want to do that, because a lot of people have trouble with the app, right? Not They don't want to download it. Or if you're like me, your storage loses, and then you don't have room for it on the phone until you clean the phone up. But that is a good alternative. So God, we thank the Lord for that. And uh, there's much to be done with regards to the podcast. And I, I am putting my mind and my heart in it so that, um, you know, we're improving all the time. Okay, so last week we looked at, um, our title was, and I, I, I will change this title to agree with that one because we are in a series. The title was Lessons from the Life of Jesus Christ and the Dash Humility. So we looked at humility last week and the week before, but we lost that podcast. This week, we're going to continue to look into the life of Christ with the very next event recorded in the scripture, in the in the um, gospel of Matthew. I'm coming, but it's also in Mark, of course. And um, we are continuing with looking at the um, his life to see righteousness fulfilled, which is what he told John when he went to get baptized. And John said, no, but I need to, I have need to be baptized by you. And Jesus said, suffer it to be so that the righteousness will be fulfilled. And so we look uh, tonight at Jesus being driven by the spirit, the Bible says, into the wilderness where he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. An amazing uh, event, period, where he was able to be sustained because doctors tell us anymore <laughs> that we couldn't fast for 40 days and 40 nights. And yet I know a woman who on, I think she had lemon water with honey and she indeed fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights. But Jesus took nothing. He was there fasting and praying. And when we see him do this, he, um, he also, right, is showing us something that we want to pay close attention to. We, according to Jesus Christ's own words, when the, uh, you know, the Pharisees or the Sadducees, whichever came to him and said, your disciples don't fast. And he said, why fast? When the when the bridegroom is with with the bride, she doesn't fast. But when the bridegroom uh, is taken away, she will fast. So they're talking about his church. That's us. And so a regular habit of fasting is a good thing. And one day I'll do the benefits of fasting in the natural man. But definitely in the spirit, fasting is a very strengthening 
maturing uh, process. And we should fast, um, uh, you know, when the Lord, I believe in fasting when the Lord calls you to it. I also believe in sort of a disciplined fast, and that is one that you pull yourself into if you sense that you really are not as uh, astute, spiritually astute and aware as you ought to be. Uh, many churches, you know, pull, bring fast. And I told you I have a, I have a lot of trouble fasting like that because I'm not accustomed to eating on a fast. So the temptation of eating with, with the way the church has called them is there for me. And I do struggle a great deal with that. Uh, nonetheless, we are all growing in Christ and he will deliver me if indeed he intends for me to do it. So here we go. What we're going to look at tonight is a characteristic, a character trait that was in Christ the whole uh, time he was on the earth. And that is steadfastness. So the title of this evening's podcast is Lessons from the Life of Christ dash steadfastness. So you wonder, what is that? What does that mean? Now, I want to start by saying that we're looking at this and the definition that I will bring forth bespeaks personality. But I want to emphasize that personality is formed by character. We all have a personality and the personality is the expression of who we are. The personality reveals the inner person, but character, character. When formed in a human being, influences personality. And so that expression reveals the character. And the character trait then is important when indeed we are looking at another one's personality. So often we talk about how people are, right? And, and, and I'm a big defender of those who are uh, not exposed to that which would make for good character um, and or to make the personality be an expression of good character, right? People who are angry, people who are upset all the time, irritable, people who uh, lash out or they are not, um, what's the word for it? They're not exactly um, aware of others. They are more concerned with themselves. Those are expressions, right? But those expressions are impacted by the underlying character. And that character could be a neglect. So I want us to differentiate between that because I'm now going to read um, this definition. However, I must say this is again, wow, what a show. And I am Phyllis, your host. And as Per every Wednesday night or every podcast, really, I repeat from Psalm 19 that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork day unto day, utter speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. God is everywhere present, and the declaration of his power as shown in each new day and night and his uh, exposed firmament is proof positive that he is there, that he is God and there is none other greater than he. We cannot control or move things around at all. And I could go on and on and on. Once the Lord made me aware of this, I got to tell you, it's been in my head, on my mouth ever since. And now it's gone on years that we can observe the amazing declaration of God's glory. It is proven in what we see every day. And we could talk about that. I shall do it at another time. I keep doing it, don't I? But nonetheless, character, character. We're going to dive into this lesson and see what we can learn from the life of Christ as seen in the 40-day period of what is called or labeled in my Bible, the temptation of Jesus Christ, the temptation of Jesus Christ. And I want tonight to call our attention to the fact that we too are tempted every day, but we are not 
Jesus Christ. So his temptation is very unique. And it was not the beginning of the ministry, but it was in the preface to the ministry. The baptism was there. We see his obedience to Jesus, uh, to his mom at the wedding. We uh, see him born in the form of a baby, a mere man. And we talked about that last week, that he didn't think it robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation as he came in the form of a man to do a job, to to do something that had been planned in God from the foundations of the world. So we're looking at uh, the temptation. And um, we want to start, though, by defining what we're going to see. And that is the steadfastness of Jesus. His head, his mind, his heart set to complete a task that he was preordained to do. Uh, so what is steadfastness? A person with a steadfast personality displays dependable qualities, perspectives, and thought processes. You're going to see that as we go through this. Steadfast individuals are reliable, loyal, consistent in their behavior and attitude. They have an unwavering commitment to the values they hold dear, such as honesty and respect. Now, this is from the natural point of view, but we see God giving us examples in the natural to give us an understanding of the spiritual. So that is what steadfastness is. And I think I'm, am I starting at the right place? Yes, I think I am. So um, we go on in this definition to say that um, they prefer, steadfast people prefer routine to their strong sense of conviction. They can be open-minded when presented with new information and ideas that challenge beliefs. However, Jesus Christ was not. And while they are firmly rooted in tradition, this personality type is not resistant to change. We see a resilience or a response to the people around him. He is from glory and he is set among men of a fallen nature. And he is in his demonstration of total righteousness, responsive in a loving, giving, delivering, saving manner. This is Jesus Christ. I'm going to read now. Okay, so there's there's a little bit more, and I'll say more about that towards the end. I'm going to read from the book of Matthew, uh, chapter three. The, uh, the, the you know the the scriptural uh, uh, accounting of Jesus Christ going into this fast. Then was Jesus led up in the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterwards hungry. And when the tempter came to him, now I want you to notice, Jesus Christ is a man and he has fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Satan comes to him, it seems, in the reading after he's finished the phase right at the end, but he hasn't eaten yet. And what the devil does is begin these uh, three challenges, these three temptations. He brings these to him in a weakened state. The first one he says, and um, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, Jesus Christ answers this temptation. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, I'm going to stop here. I want you to meditate on this. The tempter came to him after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. He was hungry. As a man, he was experiencing and feeling what you and I feel. This temptation was to a hungry man. But this man, even though familiar with the nature of the fallen one, 
even though shaped and formed in the body of a man like you and I. Processing, he felt hunger. Even though he was that, his nature was not to fall or to sin. And so when Satan brings that thing to him, he has a response. And I just read it, and I'm going to talk more about it. But he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil take, took him up into the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee and in their hands they shall bear thee up lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Very true. He is quoting the word of God. And that word is real and the word is true. Jesus now responds again and said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Watch that, guys. Take that into your head. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Think of that relationship now. Think of that response. Think of what truth is um, how truth is standing in the face of yet another truth. Listen on. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and said unto him, all these things, now dig this, will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. I'll give you all of this if you worship me. And guess what? Again, he had it to give in that the Lord has allowed him to be prince of the air. That is that which is under heaven where we actually are living. And Jesus said to him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thy, thou serve. The answer of Jesus Christ to the enemy who is bringing these, oh, you know, offerings uh, to Jesus, that answer is an answer that we should ask the Lord to put in us as we live and are tempted. Now, all temptations fall, I believe, under these temptations. There is nothing that you can be tempted of that is not contained within these uh, ca the, the three categories. So he, he tempted him with food when he was hungry, right? Um, he tempts him with uh, the glory of being over everything. And that is... You know, where we come, you, you can be head of this or head of that, or you can have this or have that. That is attempted the flesh, right? And then he tempts him to fall down and worship him, idolatry. He tempts him to come away from the very thing he knows and to give in so that he could have something else. Temptation. Now, you know, if I was sitting with you in my living room, we would really go for it in these things because I'm watching a show, a detective story. I like to watch detective stories, uh, the British ones anyway, because the uh, process of figuring out the, um, the culprit is one of great thought. And the British make a lot of references, biblical references. And they are dealing with a lot of a kind of, you know, uh, other phase in their work. And so I, I like to watch them because it's informative. I was told that British television cannot um, include anything in any of their uh, productions that is not true. In other words, they can't say something about anything that cannot be true because I guess they realize the vulnerability of human beings and that people will go out and try stuff, you know. So I watch them 
And what I find in some of the things that they deal with is a lot of skewed uh, takes on Christianity and a lot of other faiths impacting on the culture and the mind of the people who are involved in these particular crimes. So it is uh, really, I mean, it's almost, it, it used to be for me a very foreign thing to hear people talk about other religions, but other religions do indeed exist and people are very faithful to them. Uh, they acted out. So Satan is bringing another uh, uh, truth to Jesus Christ and saying, worship me. And, you know, like I, I don't I don't really like to take a whole lot of time to try to figure out what Satan is thinking, because I, I declare the only thing I can figure out that he might be thinking is that uh, Jesus Christ in the form of a man may be as vulnerable to these temptations as were Adam and Eve. As are you and I, if we do not have a spiritual mind and take good, good care to follow hard after Christ. But so the devil then left him after he gives him the last, it is written, right? Um, And the angels came and ministered unto Jesus Christ. So in Hebrews 4.15, now Jesus went through these temptations. He fasted for those 40 days and 40 nights. Hebrews writes, for we do not have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted. Hear that, guys. In all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Lesson learned right there. This high priest that we have, who came down to do what was already ordained would be done, that high priest was allowed and allowed himself to be tempted in all points, such as we. And his kindness to us, he waits as he teaches us how to overcome the flesh that we are born into, the fallen nature. As he does that, he waits, he teaches, he guides, he forgives, he loves, he provides, given that we ourselves are not nearly as steadfast in our faith in him as we will be when he is finished with us. I love the Lord because of that. If he did not have that love for me, I dare say that I would have the confidence of the hope that is within me. After Jesus' baptism, which was an act that we established as in in humility, the overarching trait of his character, after that, Jesus fasted and he stayed for 40 days and 40 nights. Imagine that. Hmm. In the wilderness, he didn't complain about anything. And this picture is rather like the um, Israelites in the desert. The Lord is leading them out of bondage into freedom and the freedom and the peace and the uh, amazing land that he's going to deliver to them is one where they will live without the constraints and, and they will have it, you know, every good thing to eat because the land was one flowing with milk and honey and the lush greenery there with it. When they went to spy it out, they came back and gave that report that it was indeed a good land. It was good, right? But they complained and they just murmured and there was tensions and, you know, uprisings and idolatry and all of that going on in that wilderness, And that's why it took them 40 years to get out of it, because God was emptying Israel of the contentions in the nature of those who had been in bondage. He was 
bringing them into obedience and commitment to his way. So Jesus is out there and it seems to me that each day represents one of those years in his fasting. And he did not say, oh, I'm so hungry, I just need to eat. He didn't say, God, why have you called me to this? I am a man, I'm hungry. You know, he didn't say when Satan came just as he was finishing this thing, oh, I will turn them into stones. I have that power. He could have done that at any moment. He did not. The the character trait, the, the, um, the, the steadfastness, the focus, the determination, the commitment to be prepared and to show the world to follow the believers who he's going to train and those who will come after. We're reading this account. The disciples lived through this to show righteousness, to show that you can do it. We can if we cling fast to him. Jesus is tested there in his character. Who was he really? The test of our character reveals our inner beliefs and sustains them in our observed behavior, our choices. Clearly, clearly all that Satan offered Jesus to attempt him to cause, he did it to cause Jesus as a mere man to thwart the plan of God. Jesus was indeed God, of course. He was the Son of God in the flesh. But the Son is the only begotten of God, created for this purpose accordingly. And the Son is in the Godhead. So righteous and above the order of a fallen nature, Jesus Christ rightly divided his own word in response to every attempt that Satan made for him to betray himself for a temporary gluttonous glory in a fallen world. Jesus knew it. And so he was able to answer. Remember, it's his word. He is the word. And when he spoke the word, he was speaking God's own plan and truth. And he was applying it to that pressure that Satan wanted to give him in order to keep him from going through with this whole plan. Because if at any time he had done it, he would have absolutely, as far as I can tell, be as a, as fallen as Satan. He would have gone against God's plan. But being God in the flesh, he could not. And we are so thankful that he could not. And he answered, it is written, man shall not, man shall not. It is written each time it is written. And so Jesus knows that our, our lives in the first challenge, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus Christ understands. And this is what, I, oh my goodness, this is what I want to, I want to get it. And, and I want all of us to get it. Jesus knows that our lives are not sustained by bread, we are sustained by the upholding word of God and have been from the beginning. That same word that was spoken to create man and to breathe breath in him still lives. And that's how we live. That is our sustain and our sustenance and our sustaining power. We have not we don't live because we are constantly taking in food, but because God continues to call us into each new day. And the forever eternity of the reborn of God begins when we know Jesus Christ. And it never ends. The, the Bible says to know, um, oh, I meant to pull that scripture. What is it? Um, eternal life is to know is to know Jesus Christ. It starts there. Life continues. And the deterioration of the body, which in and of itself cannot live in this present world, but the spirit continues. We never die. Once you come to know Christ, we never 
will die. In other words, uh, death as we were before, dead in trespasses and sin, half alive, you know, uh, we're not going we, that that's over once you know Christ. Once we know Christ, do we as people get caught in the trap of the enemy when by any means necessary we feed ourselves the dainties of this world to the destruction of our faith in God? It's, a, it's, it's time to ponder the concept that it's probably real foreign to even in my understanding. Jesus knew being God in human form that to take up his power to feed his natural body by his own determined way in that moment would thwart the ultimate goal for which he humbled himself came into the world to do what? Save the world, pay the debt that we owed for our sins. He went to the cross to do that. In the second challenge, the devil takes him up again into the holy city and sits him on a pinnacle of the temple and said, if thou be the son of God, cast yourself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time you dash your foot against the stone. This second challenge is, is different. It sounds different, and it has a different glitz to offer Jesus, but he was not tempted to do exactly what Satan is trying to make him do. And let's give up this, this uh, plan. Don't do, don't go to that cross. Don't do what you are supposed to do to save these people. And if he had done it, we would have been in the grips of this evil enemy forever. But Jesus was from glory. He knew he held glory in his own hands. He would not take what was already his for one moment of whatever, you know, that moment would have done for anybody. But so many times, ooh, people give up so much to gain what? Attention, status. They want to look good, right? I want to be there. I want to be at the top. I want to be at on the pinnacle. I want to see the city from my uh, throne here, my earthly throne. It only lasts for a minute. And Jesus Christ, oh, thank God, was unable. I don't even think he could have taken it because who is he? He is God in the flesh. He is the word which from the beginning was in the beginning with God. So it is written. The word became flesh, but the word was with God and the word was God. He could not, right? Hmm. God sitting on the throne of all creation possessed within himself the character of pride. He could not remove himself from his plan. He is truth. He is not a man that he should lie or go back on his word. He pronounced what he was going to do in the Garden of Eden uh, with, with Eve. And he told the serpent, what he was going to do, and his word had to be fulfilled because God cannot lie. So in Genesis 15, he says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, head and thou shalt only bruise his heel. Now, um, we know, you know, I, I studied a little bit of mythology there and the bruising of the heel will just make you limp for a while. But if you bruise the head, that's death of a serpent. When you kill a serpent, you kill the head, you bash the head in. And that's what Jesus Christ, uh, God told Satan right there in the garden. Then unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skins and clothe them. And in doing so, we see already the lamb slain 
before the foundations of the world and the temporary covering until the manifestation of that sacrifice was made in the earth. From the foundations of the world, the Bible tells us that God had already slain the perfect lamb for the remission of the sins of mankind. So the final temptation, Satan comes and he, uh, it is written there that the devil takes him up again into an exceeding high mountain this time and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all the glory of them and said, all these things will I give you. We'll just fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, get thee hence Satan authority. He speaks with the authority that only he could speak because he is the almighty God and has created all these kingdoms, by the way, and he's suffering them to do what they do until he will indeed judge the whole world. So he says, get thee in Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. This is the message, the fulfillment of righteousness to us all. And I um, want just to correct something that I said earlier. I said uh, Jesus Christ could not possess within himself the character of cry of pride. He could not do it. So the temptation to do these things that would be a prideful act, he could not do, being that he is the everlasting, all righteous God. And what would he have to, oh my goodness, when I think about it, I think, wow, you know, um, Satan really did fall. And, uh, he, but before he fell, he was also without the fullness of knowledge because how could he not know that this would not be a challenge for God himself? Wow. And so Satan offered him yet that, you know, that final opportunity to do something very temporal, something that had no lasting value. How or why would God worship the enemy when the enemy has no glory to compare with his own? I'm speculating. Because the Bible doesn't tell me this, right? But I'm trying to, I'm, I'm reading and, and, and I'm spiritually speculating. Satan must have believed that Jesus Christ would operate as men do or that he, as he did, get so filled with himself that he uh, 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 rebelled and probably, you know, oh my goodness, don't you just hear it or see it? <clears throat> Some people think of themselves more highly than they ought and in a position or wanting to get somewhere, they go and spread uh, uh, words of evil against others and makes them believe it. People really do fall into that trap. And then some person who is innocent is pushed out and they get to take over. This is real life stuff, right? Really and truly. But God is a spirit. And even as he formed a man's body to live in for a moment in time, that part of him, he sent as his only begotten son. He did not abdicate his own throne or his ownership of his creation. You offer him what he already owns, what already belongs to him. The temptation continues the fulfillment of righteousness Jesus referred to when he went to be baptized by John. And John, unlike Satan, recognized Jesus as the God's son and knew by revelation that his sonship held the power of the father. The nature of man, though understood by God, is not God's nature. He became a man by the will of God through birth of a woman and that by the spirit of God. In First uh, Corinthians, oh my, I think it's chapter 15, verses 20 through 22. It is written, but now is Christ risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also 
the resurrection of the dead. That's you and me. Oh my goodness. For uh, as in Adam, all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now, if I was sitting here by myself, I would be right now in the heavenlies, giving God all the glory, the praise, thanksgiving and worship for making this so. You know, I don't know why he created us. I don't. I don't know why we have to live through what sometimes feels like torment. I don't understand it. But this I do know, that in the heart of God, there is a plan greater than I can imagine. Because you see, I read uh, I read the end of the story. And in that ending, we are made the righteousness of Jesus Christ, we are going to sit at that supper of the Lamb. We're going to live where there is no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain. Oh my goodness. May God bless us all. May we praise him because he has done a great work in making sure that we will live forever. And we will live not as as Adam and Eve would have lived had they stayed in and eaten from the tree of life. But we're going to live forever free of the overpowering sin of a fallen nature. No more tension. Just think about that. When you look at me, you're going to actually love me. When I look at you, I'm going to love you too. Oh my, no war, no racism, no hunger, no hospitals, no taking my blood every once a year whenever they do that to see if I'm deteriorating inside. No more back aches, <laughs> no more limping on a bad knee. None of that. We're going to be totally restored to the initial better than the initial, because now we would have, through our own uh, sufferings in this world, established a mind or a heart that says, forever Jesus, forever God, never, ever let me fall. Do not let me go. I don't want to go. I want to be right here. And the transformed mind and the renewed, you know, heart of of flesh, and that flesh in that instance is one that is malleable, molded to the will of God. All of that will be our inheritance when we are there. This character of Jesus Christ was then, was, and always will be the highest standard. When we look at the life of Christ, we want to attain unto that standard. We want to get there. He was born of the Spirit, and by virtue of spiritual life, he lived as the spiritual righteous man. We could not be or could not live in order to make the atonement for us all. The eternal separation of man from God was nullified through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We're grateful. I go back to that steadfast personality. You know, it's written somewhere that he set his face like flint. He was moving towards that cross. Oh my goodness, he wouldn't give up. He didn't give up. And in the in this uh, forty days of fasting and prayer and enduring and going through or answering the temptations that uh, Satan threw uh, his way, he shows us how to also come through the temptations of life. At first, it seems a little difficult, but then, then, after you have, you know, been um, uh, exercised in righteousness, it becomes your nature. After all, we are new creations. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. So what are the 
personality traits of I, I want to kind of go to the um, benefits of being steadfast and and unmovable. So I'm going to look for, okay, where am I here? I got lots of papers, y'all. Mm. Okay, the benefits of a steadfast personality. They are invaluable, according to this study. Being ever uh, keeled and dependable. Even keeled, I'm sorry, and dependable. These are uh, uh, personality traits. These individuals bring order to chaos with their ability to stay composed when faced with challenges. Okay, that is one benefit. Even keeled. Dependable. Able to remain composed when faced with challenges. Make it so for me, Father. This often leads to having strong opinions along with an unwavering loyalty and integrity. Qualities that go hand in hand in life and in business. Now just think it's good to have people like this around you, right? They're dependable. Especially if you are an employer, you want, you know, people who are going to help you walk it in. And I, I remember last week we talked about the um, Hewlett Packard uh, and a few other men who, well, not that his name was Hewlett Packard, but J.I. Packard or whatever his name is. Uh, and, and the way they put their own egos aside, they work towards the goal of the success of these printers, selling these printers or making them a whatever, right? Your dependability and in the life of Christ, dependable. He was late getting to Lazarus. He didn't come when Martha and, and Mary sent for him, but he got there. And when he got there, Lazarus came forth. Dependable. Dependable. When the mock trial came over, that the kangaroo court is what they call it, when they, that happened, Dependable, steadfast, never wavering, not moving from the focus, knowing that he would be betrayed, knowing that Peter would deny him, knowing that he would be abandoned and go to the cross alone as a man, that's a heavy burden to carry. But as Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that was the only bare burden to carry, and he would not turn back from it. Dependable. Hmm. These people who have a steadfastness about them are also seen as reliable problem solvers who think of creative solutions due to their cautious nature. Cautious nature. Some people like to throw caution to the wind. Some people would rather, uh, my, my friend used to say, um, beg forgiveness than follow the rule. You know, that's being, that, that she, she says it a lot. And I was thinking, woo, I'm not kind of that person. That's kind of scary for me. But these, Jesus Christ walked in steadfastness. The self-control steadfast persons possess um, put the, the, the steadfastness that personalities like this possess give them an advantage. It allows them to take into account long-term goals before making decisions, which can open up opportunities for their success in the future. Now, the success here, when we apply this definition to Christ, the success was us. His success was conquering death and bringing to the lost a life, a, a newness, a, a, a salvation, an atonement the propitiation of God, making him satisfied that the debt was paid for you and me. Mm. People with this disposition may find themselves dedicated to their ideals, which is an admirable trait, yet they can become easily attached to them 
and reluctant to change. He never changed. Steadfast, unmovable, he never changed. Similarly, they are often driven by their own principles. Well, why would he not be? His own principles are the principles that we aspire to, which while honorable can create difficulties in collaboration, and he did not compromise Hallelujah. There's a time not to compromise. As much as in this world we're talking about teamwork, teamwork, and you get on a team and the teams may go this way or that, sometimes the way the team wants to go may not be the best move to make. And sometimes if the mind of a person is righteous and if they have vision and can see beyond the moment, sometimes that team needs to be uh, corralled, halted in their decisions to do a thing. Teamwork is good. None of us have all the answers, but there are times when I believe groups are, are prone to follow after somebody in the group or trends that are, you know, di- dictating the thing and no one has the courage to stand fast in the right way. But a person who is steadfast might call. They may make that call. They might make a decision not to move forward in a wrong direction. Steadfast people may be so focused in achieving their goals that they close their minds off to alternative approaches. <laughs> That's what was going on in the, in the temptation of Christ. He's trying to give him an, an, an alternative to what he came to do. But Jesus Christ said, it is written. And being God himself, he could not, he could not, not fulfill his own plan. However, there are many times when it could prevent them from, okay, that's not, uh, finally, I, I, I was not going to read that part. Finally, it is written in, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Learn this one. Um, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. See, we are uh, admonished to also be steadfast, to be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain, in the Lord. When we are in Christ, he is guiding, leading, helping. And if we are steadfast in allowing him to do that, if we are unmovable, if we continue in the work of the Lord as he directs us, we know that our work is not in vain because the ultimate gift, the ultimate reward is not just salvation, but an eternity in his presence. The Lord is good. And looking at Christ, really looking at him and seeing how he operated, how he talked, how he moved, what he did, how he withstood. I believe that gives us a great, great import into how we too can overcome in this life, how we can become like him, which is the goal, by the way. It's what it is written, you know, in the Bible, that we shall all come to the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. Till we all come, it's written, it will happen. And so we want to cooperate and allow the Lord to fix it in us. I thank you all for being here. And I ask you to continue in prayer for all of us, that we will be the children of God. It's important. Um, I I promised that we would talk about uh, a book, The Fire Next Time, by a, a man that I really greatly admire, but who lost his faith. Having been a preacher, he came away because of what he saw. I just want to read that account to talk about it so that we will begin to see 
the importance of acting, being like Christ, showing forth that character, humility, now steadfastness. And I am going to keep looking through the month of February so that we can come out of this month still early in the year with a new sense of becoming who God has already reckoned us to be, showing up as those reborn creatures, new, metamorphosed from the old man into the spirit man, from the natural man to the spirit man, from the old to the new creation in Christ. It's been really good. It's always good for me to talk through it. I um, <clears throat> have uh, my my uh, dear friend Marilyn on my heart and mind, and I'm asking the Lord to bring her out of this condition and to bring her into healing so that her son who lives here will, I think he, he's very, very um, uh, concerned. And I don't want him to be. You know, when my dad had a stroke, um, my dad was 94 or 2 or 93 something when he had that stroke. And I just wasn't ready. And I went into the shower and I cried and cried out to my father, not now, not now, Lord. I'm just not ready. And God brought my father out of that stroke. If you've seen him, you'd never know he had it. And when it occurred, he was paralyzed on one arm. Hallelujah. I know him to be a miracle worker. God can do anything. There is nothing he cannot do. Even that which man just looks at and thinks cannot be done, God can do it. And I praise him tonight for allowing us to look into who he really is in bringing us to salvation. Miracle of miracles, the greatest of all healings, turning a man from his sins into a spiritual man of righteousness, following after the character of his dear son, Jesus Christ, which ultimately is his own character, righteous, holy, set apart different, peculiar. So we keep on looking up and we keep on thanking him. And I thank the Lord for every one of you. I bless him and ask him to bless you and to give you nuggets of truth along the way that you can actually ingest that will form what is in you into an alignment and the character of who God is. He made us. He knows us. Remember, your personality is an expression of the inner character, your beliefs. And it does show. May God be praised. I thank him for your, and you know, like I said, we dine at a great table that he alone could ever set, you know, and um we rejoice because the food is really good and very nourishing to our spirits. And we go away in that great rejoicing, giving him praise and glory for his mercy and his love and the salvation that he wrought in and through Jesus Christ. May we be, uh, meet again next week. And I hope to have that uh, testimony of his goodness towards Marilyn Moffat as well. One of praise and thanksgiving. Alrighty now, enjoy and I will see you. Oh, one more thing. We're going to actually begin to read and I thought I was gonna do it in recording, but we're going to read the book of Daniel straight through. Then we will have a guest who will take us through the book of the Revelation. So we will read one week uh, the chapters that he will present for us in the following week, every other week. And hopefully that will begin in March. God bless you all, or maybe before. 
And uh, like I said, I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful week. May the Lord God watch between me and thee while we are absent one from another. He alone can do it. Have a great night or a great morning or a great day, whatever it is, wherever you are. Goodbye.